Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Road to Wealth podcast on Sunday, July 11th. Thank you again for tuning in. And on today's episode, I have the opportunity to talk to Jesse Kramer at the Best Interest blog and also host of the Best Interest podcast. He's one of my friends on uh, Money Twitter, and we've gotten to know, uh, know each other over the past couple months. I was also honored to be on his podcast um, that you can also check out as well. Um, but in today's episode, we talk through the current conditions of being a financial blogger, looking at other alternative avenues for not only promoting financial content, but also looking at other platforms and what the traditional blogging atmosphere has come to and how you can also diversify and also look at other platforms to grow your brand. So I want to thank Jesse for his time and energy on on today's episode. And for those that um, are tuning into the Road to Wealth podcast, I thank you. Uh, You can feel free to subscribe as well as uh, help me out by providing any form of feedback via your podcast player. You can put a review on as well as rate. And again, I really appreciate everyone tuning in and subscribing. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce Jesse Kramer and my talk with him. Hello, everyone. Good evening. Welcome back to the Road to Wealth podcast. On today's episode, I have Jesse Kramer from the Best Interest blog. I am very grateful to have uh, been on your podcast, man, and I'm just honored that uh, you agreed to come on mine. So how are you doing, man? Hey, Justin. I am very good. Thank you for having me on. And uh, you put together some really cool topics for us to talk about today. So I'm excited to uh, head into those. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, I, I was very honored to be on Jesse's podcast. Um, you know, please, we always put your, your information in the show notes and um, we've garnered such a great relationship. And really what we're going to talk about today is the topic around traditional personal finance blogging and blogging in general, and just where we see kind of the landscape as it is currently, maybe other avenues, uh, as well as just kind of how we both approach it, and you know, I I wanted to enlist Jesse just because he's such an OG and uh, you know really savant when it comes to you know the <laughs> the the blogging space. So um, hopefully that's enough credence for you, man. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. I mean, I will say I'll caveat that with you know it's been a fun journey. I've been doing this for about thirty months, two and a half years, which you know I think the average blogger probably drops out in you know three to six months, something like that. But that said, there are a lot of people in our space who have been doing this for you know five years. We just had Purple on. I think she said she started hers in 2015, maybe mm-hmm. or 2016. But then there's some people who started back in the the two, 2000 aughts, you know, and they've been going for 12, 14 years. Um, but I've learned a lot, and I'm happy to share what I've learned with with you and your listeners today. Oh, thanks, Jesse. Well, you kind of give a preview. How did you start blogging, and you know what motivated you to start two and a half years ago? Yeah, good question. I will start with the story of my my first paycheck at my third job. So at this point, I was about 24 years old. I had $50,000 remaining in student debt. And I was holding a, a paycheck, a, a really nice paycheck. Or at least I thought it was really nice. It was more money you know, in, in a one, two-week paycheck than maybe I'd made in an entire summer previously at my old summer jobs. And I thought about it. I thought about all these things I wanted to buy with that paycheck, a bunch of things that maybe I'd held off on when I was in college. But then that little nagging thought crept into my head, you know, what about that debt? Shouldn't I be worried about that debt? 
And another nagging thought, when do I start saving for retirement? Maybe I should start thinking about that sooner than later. And I had this realization, which was, I really didn't know what to do with my money. So I talked with some of my coworkers, many of whom were in a very similar position as me, young 20s, mid 20s, making a decent paycheck, good head on their shoulders, but just didn't know what smart things to do with their money. And we would have conversations. A lot of my conversations would end with an email. I would like to summarize things in email, send the email out to the group or whoever was talking. And eventually some of them said, you know, Jesse, you should publish some of these emails online. Like, you know, we aren't the only ones who might benefit from reading them. And that's really how the best interest started. That's such a, a great history. And I'm glad that the you recognize from your first paycheck, I need to be responsible <laughs> this, with this money. <laughs> it was, it was I, I knew I wanted to be responsible, but I just didn't know how. And I think a, a lot of people probably do feel that similarly. And one thing I think a lot of people feel that I've interacted with is when they don't know how to be responsible, it's hard to take that dive and really start learning. So a lot of people just kind of shrug their shoulders and say, I'll figure it out on the way which is okay. Um, but you need to make somewhat of a dedicated attempt to learn about personal finance because a lot of us missed out on that early in life. We weren't necessarily taught in the traditional school system. So your 20s are a great time to learn that. So by the time you're our age, in our, you know, in our 30s, you're a, you're a pro. No, that's great, man. And I'm curious, what were you know? It's transitioning from you know email summaries to you know starting the blog. Like, do you recall some of those you know er, early entries and you know early posts? Yeah, I do. So a bunch of them, they're still up, by the way. If anybody wants to go, you can go to the blog, and they largely remain unedited in their original form. There were really long paragraphs. <laughs> there were. Uh, I didn't have Grammarly at the time. So some of them still have their original typos in there. And a lot of them, Justin, were good. It was good information, but it wasn't necessarily always focused. Hmm. And it often was, I don't want to say common info, but it's the kind of posts that just about every single personal finance blog has. And that's okay. If you're going to talk about personal finance basics, you're going to step on one another's toes a lot as bloggers. And that's what we do. But, you know, every blogger out there has a post that says, um, if you get a raise, you need to take that raise because that whole myth about a raise might hurt your taxes. It's just a myth. Ignore it. You know, that was one of my early posts. A bunch of people mentioned that before. So since then, I have tried to branch out a little bit and write about some more unique things. But uh, yeah, some of those early posts certainly were maybe not the most original and not the best written, but I've learned a lot since then. And you bring up a good point. I, I think you know, going to your earlier you know, the, the statement around you know, people tend to just dive in or you know, have, don't have the, the courage to dive in. I know many people, when they start a new habit, they want to get all the preparation. They feel like they need to get the, the SEO part and the, the domain and all the... Preliminary, but they don't just dive in, and I felt like you know you really hit on, you know, just some of the earlier mistakes that you you came across and you learned from them and grew. Mm -hmm. Definitely, the SEO is a good one. So if if any listeners aren't familiar, that's search engine optimization, and in shorthand, what it means is how to write such that Google recognizes your site as an authority. 
and recognizes each individual post as being specific and focused so that Google can then uh, serve your article to Google searchers for specific phrases. That's something that I didn't even know the acronym SEO until I was, I think, nine months in. I started in December and I remember spending a weekend list, uh, learning about SEO the following October. So it's that 10 full months. Mm-hmm. So there's always time to learn. I kind of fiddled around in the dark for my first year before really getting going. But uh, it was all a learning process along the way. There was all building blocks and baby steps that led up to, to really where I am now. Yeah, and I love the fact that you were a student earlier on and you really wanted to amplify the blog. And you know, many people, they just get on a blogging platform and just write in it like as a journal. But you know, to either monetize, if that's your goal, or even just to be a better writer, you know, those are some, some, some earlier skills and habits that you needed to learn. Right. I definitely wanted to be a better writer. And really just, I wanted to write write stuff that people would want to read and people would return to read. And I freely admit you hit on something there that the personal journal aspect of blogging. And sometimes I'm definitely guilty of that. I have my, my guilty articles where I, I write about something that's near and dear to my own heart. I write about something with a little bit of a creative flair. I hope that my readers enjoy it. And, and usually I'm okay with that and they do enjoy it. But there are some times when I write more for myself than for the readers which is okay as long as you realize that sometimes that might alienate your readers. So for each blogger, it's kind of like to each their own. If you really want to build an audience and you care for your audience and you want to grow that engagement, then you really have to keep your readers in mind and make sure that every single week you're coming back and writing for them. Yeah. And you bring up a good point around, you know, are you serving your, your, your readers? I'm curious how you define success of a good article, like let's say you write something and you know, is there immediate feedback? Like how does that generally operate? To me, a successful article does one of two things. So the first one is that it could bring long lasting traffic, most likely from Google or sometimes just from people reposting it. Those are usually related. So some articles that I've written, they are for fairly popular Google searches and it's, it's ranking on page one of Google. So every single day, people are searching for that search term like average net worth by age and the best interest happens to be on page one. Okay, so people will come in. A second way that that regular traffic happens is that I'll write an article for maybe a more obscure topic like the fulfillment curve or results-oriented thinking that might only get 10 Google searches a day, if that. However, my article ranks number one on Google for those search terms. So when people search results-oriented thinking, they go to my article first. And if they're looking for something to share with their brother-in-law, that's the one that they'll share. So that's an example of one article that I do see kind of frequently on Twitter, on Reddit, because results-oriented thinking in Google, best interest blog comes up first. Okay, I'll just throw the link in there to tell that one random guy why he's wrong. <laughs> and they'll use, they'll use that. Okay, so that's one example of a successful article, sustained traffic. But the second one that really is more heartfelt is that a successful article for me will garner a lot of interaction with people. And it might be comments in the article itself or emails coming in from readers saying they enjoyed it or maybe just the day of I post it, people share it on social media because they liked it. So the combination of those two things, are that's really where my, uh, my bread gets buttered. 
<laughs> now I, lo- I love the food reference. You know, you know about this yes, podcast. I, I mean, do, I do. Uh, <laughs> and you know, I, I think you've had some recent success. I mean, this whole week with you know meme stocks. You know, right now we're probably the, the second week of June. Right now, recording this, and it's been all about a bunch of meme stocks and meme stocks. And you've had some great success around you know the GameStop short squeeze, which is still you know a high ranking you know, search, right? And yep. um, I think you did a great job on that article, man. So thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, that, that's a good example of one where. Um, Right. When, when GameStop happens to come back in the news, I see a bump in that article because certain, certain GameStop related searches in Google, that one does well. And it's, what's really funny back in January, when the first GameStop, uh, short squeeze was really popping in the news, an article that I wrote two years ago, all about the big short. So not GameStop, but the 2008 big short, Mm -hmm. that one just popped for a couple days because a bunch of people were searching like, Oh, I've seen something like the short before what was the big short all about so it's always funny when old articles come back because they happen to be ranking highly in google and that's really where uh if you want to monetize your blog that's really what you're going after articles with long lasting staying power in the google search algorithm right and you know we we heard from purple in, in a previous episode that dropped this week was you know around her monetization and her journey towards financial independence you know, I'm I'm curious. You know, this initially was you know, driven from you know using this as a, a journal entry slash a way to recap. Is 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 this also a way to build your financial independence as well as another vehicle? So I would like it to be someday, and I'll, I'll tell you my little monetization story. Uh, for the first 18 months, didn't monetize at all. I just wanted to grow the blog and see where it went. And then I hit a point where some of my costs to keep it going were, were rising. And I was looking for ways to offset those costs. So I started a Patreon, which I thought was a nice little happy medium because readers who really enjoyed it and who really wanted to give back, they could. But the readers who were just stopping by for an article, I didn't really want to spam them with ads and they wouldn't have to pay anything in the Patreon. So that Patreon experiment has lasted about a year, maybe even a little short of that. And it kind of, it got um, stagnant. It flattened out. A few people signed up early on, mostly my friends and family, which is very nice of them. But at the same time, you know, they have an ulterior motive to support me. (laughs) And so I ended up actually just recently canceling the Patreon only because I felt like, okay, it's not really working. And I wanted to maybe look for another avenue of monetization. Ads are still on the table. I'm hoping, Justin, that the blog will grow a little bit more and that I can start applying to some of the premium ad networks. So that that I, I might still monetize the blog through ads. And then the last thing that I did recently start is um, a little service called Advisors Monthly. And what I'm doing is I'm writing newsletter content for financial advisors and for financial planners, writing to their clients who happen to be normal people, average Joes, who are very interested in, in finances and in economics and in investing, who are, those are, those are my readers anyway. So I figured there's a natural crossover there and uh, it's getting some traction already, I'm happy to say. So even though that's not monetizing the blog articles themselves, it is monetizing this skill and this reader base that I've that I've built up over the last uh, two and a half years. No, that's great, and thank you, Jesse, for bringing us through that. And 
you know, for the listeners, you know, I'm going to hype up Jesse here because, you know, his his blog has been featured in, in many, you know, outlets such as CNBC, MSN, uh, The Botley Fool. And I, I think it's just a matter of like all the time and effort Jesse's put in within these past you know, two and a half years. And this is also him demonstrating that there's, you know, other avenues that people are leaning towards to, to get ultimately this element of financial literacy out, out to the masses. Yeah, it's... um. It's been good. It's been a fun process, but I think you were just hinting at something, which is that there are, there's more than one way to to accomplish this goal. And I know it's something you poked at, at poked at before, uh, Justin. So I don't want to steal your thunder, but thoughts have been going through my head recently because mm-hmm. while the blog has grown a lot, some of that growth has stagnated over the last six months. I've kind of hit a readership plateau, and all around us, there's a there are a lot of things vying for our attention. So there are other ways to, to educate people on financial literacy beyond just blogging. Yeah. And, and, and thanks for the, f- thanks for the alley-oop there, Jesse, because I, I feel <laughs> like, uh, no, and, th- and I'll be transparent. This is really what I, I brought Jesse on was, you know, we're, we're on money Twitter. We've talked about this at length, but there's obviously other avenues, other social media platforms such as Instagram. I started an Instagram. Um, there's TikTok. Uh, there's a number of different avenues that people are going through to gain their financial literacy, and uh, you know I'm really curious, Jesse, to hear your your feedback as well as your thoughts around how one how you know these new mediums such as Twitter, TikTok, Instagram are t- in a way engaging with 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 people digesting our content, but also how it's also shifting and changing from the traditional blog you know environment. Mm-hmm. So I want to start with a little metaphor. If I if I may, uh, I'm and this is a true story. I'm really good friends with a, a Scottish fellow who at one time was one of the top five squash players in the world. Squash, it's kind of like racquetball. It's a fairly obscure sport, but he was top five in the world, and he is an amazing athlete. And that said, squash isn't a very high paying sport. So if you're great and you devote your life to it, and you end up top five in the world, it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be rich or famous. But I contrast that against tennis. Everybody knows tennis, right? If someone, you, you, you might not actually know this. If, if someone is a 10-year pro in, in professional tennis, but they're never ranked in the top 100, or maybe they're just ranked like 100 in the world, mm-hmm. they will absolutely end up as millionaires. They will get recognized at, at tennis clubs all over the world. And if they want to, they can spend the rest of their life essentially in recreational tennis getting appearance fees and getting paid really high hourly rates. So my point is sometimes it's about, it's about talent and other times it's just about where you focus that talent. And there are certainly times when I feel like blogging is the squash of that story, or at least (laughs) over recent years has become the squash of that story. Whereas these other social media are the tennis of that story. Um, So even though sometimes I, I think of myself as a good blogger and I really do enjoy the writing. And that's one of the reasons why I've stuck around. I am asking myself, would I be better off starting to practice my tennis and creating an Instagram page, creating that YouTube channel, creating that TikTok channel? I'll be honest with you. uh, It scares me. And I know I see a lot of people on Twitter, all all our motivational friends saying, when something scares you, that's when you know you should do it. Maybe they're right. Um, but the idea of creating a TikTok channel right now, honestly, I've never held a phone in my hands and operated the TikTok app. No idea. All I do is I see TikTok videos on other on other media. 
But I, what I do see, uh, Justin, is some of the success that other people ha- are having. Um, you just had Brennan on here. Yeah. He was a terrific guest and he's a, a terrific advocate for financial literacy in our space. He's having a ton of success on Instagram. Obviously, part of that is because he's a workhorse, right? And, and with that hard work comes the reward. But at the same time, I also think, you know, Instagram is this thriving uh, ecosystem of really avid users. And the blogging world doesn't really have that. So I think Brennan has really set himself up in a really good place for, for continued growth. And it's probably growth in that right trajectory, that upward trajectory. With the blog, I don't know if it's there. I'm questioning myself. You know, you bring up a, a good thing there, man, like I, that I want to unpack. I feel like, you know, my opinion around it is, you know, it's it's going to serve our community to, to the better. It's attracting, you know, newer, younger buyer, you know, investors. I mean, we, I, I see even we, in the pre-show, we were talking about Reddit as another method. And I feel with a lot of the younger investors, you know, they have tools like Robinhood, but they're util, utilizing TikTok, Instagram, subreddits, even YouTube as quick hits just because they can digest it better versus listening to a long form podcast like from me or from you um, or reading a full blog, they can get them in shorter spurts. So I feel in, in, in the long term, it's benefit. But I feel like to your analogy of squash that you know these skills that we've done either through writing or long form podcasts, there's still nuance that needs to be you know, attributed to it. Mm-hmm. There is. And with podcasts, at least, this is my own two cents because I'm an avid podcast listener. I like them because I can still be using my hands and my eyes for something else while listening to the podcast. And I think I think podcasts are still growing and are only going to grow from here. Blogging, on the other hand, you have to have your eyes on the page in order to consume that content. Mm. And like you said, it has to be for maybe 10 minutes or 15 minutes in a row. And you have to really think about the, the entire work with Twitter Sure, your eyes have to be on the screen, but you can do it 30 seconds at a time. Same with Instagram, same with TikTok. And like you said, those quick hits are, are, are really valuable. Attention is becoming the most valuable resource we have, right? The attention economy is growing all around us and everybody's fighting for that same attention. So when I'm asking someone for 15 minutes to explain the index fund bubble to them, they really have to want to learn about the index fund yeah. bubble. Um, so, so it's all good questions and these are all terrific thoughts for not only myself, but really anyone who's looking to start some sort of financial literacy uh, platform for themselves. Think about really what you enjoy. I really enjoy the writing and that's why I continue to do it. But if you're 50-50 between writing long form or creating Instagram posts, maybe reach out to Brennan and see what he thinks or reach out to someone who's already successful on Instagram, see what they think. It might be the smart move. I, I would probably push you towards that. And it's not just because, you know, it has nothing to do with competition because really the more bloggers, the better. I think a rising tide raises all our ships. But looking in the future, Instagram looks bright. No, absolutely. I feel like, you know, I, I, I'll i share, like even with Instagram for me, it was is a way to, you know, serve another audience. But I also, I think you also have to kind of find your niche. You know, when I started this podcast, I didn't know what this would eventually become, and it's—I'm sure if you, I'm curious to hear you know your your journey with with the blog. It's like you—you you kind of mentioned in the beginning. It's just like you 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 try to carve how to serve your readers, and I feel like with every platform you go to, 
you know, you have people on either side of the debate. It's like, you know, you could spread yourself thin by just going to every platform or you could just try to find your niche in one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My readers, I feel like they've come from a whole bunch of different places and it, it is sometimes hard to pin down exactly what ties them all together. One thing for sure is finance related content. Sometimes I drift away from that a little bit and it is to my own detriment, whether that be how a certain social issue should be viewed at, uh, through the lens of finance or uh, what's the recent one I've written. I, I spent an entire article uh, writing about uh, poverty and kind of some of the mindsets and some of the psychology behind poverty. Well, if you came to the blog to find out what to invest in, whether a certain index fund was better than another one, if that's the article that got you to subscribe, well, then the article about poverty might not really interest you. So that's another tough thing that I've struggled with is really honing in on my niche. I think there's a reason why a lot of creatives, creatives, excuse me, tell you to find that niche is because you can better build a dedicated, focused audience. So those are, I guess, a few of my thoughts, Justin. I've, I kind of rambled, and to be honest with you, I'm not sure if I answered your question or not. No, no, it, it, it's all good. And I, you know, I, I, what I wanted to plug because I know you mentioned it, you know, in our, either our show prep as well as on your mm-hmm. podcast, is that you know, there's also communities, and I, I actually want to have this message for anyone listening that's either interested in, in, in financial independence or becoming a creator in the form of a blog or whatever the medium is. Um, you know, J- Jesse in the past has mentioned FinCon. You know, then we have. Um, essentially, communities that are helping thrive and cultivate this. So, I think to you know to use your words, you know, uh, uh, rising rising waters raises all ships. Yeah. Um, a rising tide raises all ships. Is that you know at the end of the day, it's serving the general the general public, and I think we all have a little narrative that's going to it. So, if you are, have the inspiration to dive into financial independence or any form of just becoming a financial teacher in some capacity. There are platforms and communities that you know we can join, and um, you know, I know you mentioned FinCon as, as one. Example right, of right, yeah. FinCon is a great one. It's a a, a conference every year uh, of financial content creators, whether it's bloggers, podcasters, Instagram accounts, uh, authors, anything you can think of. Uh, I'm really excited to be going to it for the first time this coming September. I would have gone last fall if not for COVID nineteen, yeah. right? Um, but even beyond that, you know, there are smaller communities. I'll, I'll plug really quick. I'm a part of a group called uh, the Money Mix Insiders, and we're all bloggers. I think there's probably 40 or 50 of us. It's basically it's a, it's a Slack channel, and we share ideas, we share things that have worked, we share things that have failed. We ask each other for help. Maybe it's technical help because we can't figure out something in WordPress. Maybe it's just you know, hey, I'm really busy this week. I need a post. Can I re? share one of your posts. And then we have on a dedicated schedule, we do some syndication, which helps us build backlinks. And backlinks really are the the fuel, the currency mm-hmm. of the internet ecosystem. You know, the more people who link back to the best interest blog, Google sees those links and says, oh, the best interest must be uh, kind of authoritative. So it's good for me. So the Money Mix Insiders, we work together and it is a, a rising tide that raises all of our ships. Yeah, no, that's great. And I, I think ultimately, you know, 
the point I'm trying to convey, or or rather the idea we're, we're throwing out there, is that even though there are always going to be a new format or new platform where people are going to take advantage of, I think it's just bringing up more creativity to draw in just better financial financial uh, literacy. Um, we saw, and there, there's an article that I'll put in the show notes of you know Wells Fargo showing that you know retirement accounts are increasing. Um, you know, COVID has also provided over this past you know 16 month period, people's credit card debts have gone down. So you know, if if our work is is is, is working, you know, all the the podcasts and, and blogs that we're all putting out there, or even things on Instagram or TikTok, it, it's all going to make the the whole world better. I think just from a financial mindset. So agreed with that. Agreed with that. Yep. And and working together, I read an article this morning by a fellow named Packy McCormick, who's got a pretty big growing Twitter following. And he writes more about businesses. I think his background is kind of in venture capitalism and, and finance, kind of big finance. And but he has these big kind of sweeping ideas that are really interesting to follow. And one thing he wrote about the internet and just how the internet has changed us all in the last 10 years and how it's probably going to change us in the future is that we're going to start seeing more and more uh, companies where really it's just about collaboration and it's about supporting one another that you know you can be a really really good financial writer but people might not know you unless you're out there on social media pumping up other people you know you can post your own stuff as much as you want it's kind of like screaming into the void but how are people going to notice you they're going to notice you if you're supporting them if you're doing work for them and it's kind of like the more you give the more you get so that's really i mean i found that to be working in my own projects as well. You know, the more I help, the more I receive. I don't think it has to do with spiritual karma or anything like that. I just think it's human nature. And, you know, if you give, people are more willing to, to reach out and help you in return. I agree. And I think that's what makes, you know, fi- our financial community, you know, a lot more collaborative and just, you know, we're not trying to be competitive with one another. We want everyone to win, which is, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, so, you know, what if it's okay with you, Jesse, um, we are going to be moving into the rapid fire yeah. part. Um, for, for those that do uh, listen and download Jesse's podcast, he goes through this at the end. I was uh, honored to be on it, and, you know, he had these questions ready. So, I actually, I'm going to flip the script on Jesse. I'm going to choose a few of your rapid fire. I have some of my own. Okay. Um, so, we're going to start really easy with your first one. Uh, so what is the last material object or personal luxury that you spent $100 or more on? It's a good one to start with. I have to think about it. I did just, okay, well, a material object. I just got back from a trip in California where I know I spent more than $100 in a few places, but it was like a really nice meal. You know, it wasn't necessary. And I know you do like meals. So maybe I could describe that. <laughs> yes. Um, we took we took a good friend out to lunch in Sausalito to a, a nice Sausalito, California. California. Right? I apologize. Yep. California trip, San Francisco Bay Area. We took a nice friend out to lunch at a seafood restaurant on the bay. Beautiful view. Gorgeous day. And that was more than $100. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. No, that, that, that's great. And so speaking of food, I'm going to skip your second one and go straight to your third. So is there a uh, go-to meal that's either simple and delicious, uh, but and even more bonus points if you cook it yourself? There's only one answer for this. If I gave any other answer, my girlfriend would definitely roll her eyes at me. 
because the one and only answer is a quesadilla. Ooh. I, I make quesadillas too much because I know they're not healthy, but I try to stuff them with healthy things. So at least they fill me up. And rather than having two tortillas and two loads of cheese, it's just one tortilla, one piece or one, one scoop of shredded cheese, but then black beans, sauteed peppers, sauteed onions, uh, sometimes some shredded chicken in there as well. Just shut a pack. Oh, rice. I've, I've been known just to throw cooked rice in there too. Nice. Just to get it a nice, nice filling, super easy and always delicious. That's awesome. Oh, that sounds delicious. I feel like, you know, we're, we're definitely going to be trading some, some recipes uh, outside of just financial. financial Deal. Uh, Deal. Um, I'm going to skip number four, which is habits, which we've talked mm-hmm. about. Um, and I want to change it to this question, Jesse. If you were to have dinner with someone, dead or alive, who would it be? There's so many choices. I'm sorry for the long pause. There are just no, so many choices. This is, this is perfect. You know, I would like to pick on the financial topics. This might make me a money nerd, but I think it'd be fun to pick the brain of, say, a Warren Buffett, a John Bogle, a Benjamin Graham, some famous investor, economic mind, thing is they might not want to talk about investing they might want to talk about the yankees which you know is you know but uh i think it'd be cool to to meet one of them talk to them because i've read their books i admire their thought processes and i think that'd be pretty cool fair enough fair enough coming from the new yorker i get it yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) and i'm I'm gonna use the last the last one jesse uh what message do you put on a billboard to share with the world what would you say another great one tons of choices but the first thing that popped to my mind is this is water and now the problem is the problem is justin no one's gonna get it right no one's gonna get it right no (laughs) one's gonna get it so there's this famous speech by david foster wallace that i've used on my blog multiple times i'm quoting it in a, uh, a speech I'm giving, my, my high school asked me to speak at their graduation at the end of the month. And I'm using part of David Foster Wallace's speech in that, in that graduation speech. So there are these two young fish swimming one way down a stream mm-hmm. and they pass an older fish. And the older fish says, morning boys, how's the water? And the two young fish kind of look at each other, but they keep, keep on swimming. And after a little while, the one fish turns to the other young fish and he goes, what the hell is water? Because they're immersed in it. They're immersed in water and they don't even realize that they're surrounded by it. And what David Foster Wallace says to the graduates of Kenyon College, where he was giving the speech, is that we are surrounded by life and sometimes we are so immersed in it that we forget that this is what life is. Mm -hmm. That life is the mundane things we go through every day, that we have the choice of either finding positivity in them or finding supreme boredom in them. A perfect example, earlier, Justin, I was talking about articles that I write because they make my heart feel good, not necessarily because my readers love them. It's a bad habit as a blogger, but it makes me feel good. I just wrote an article called, This is Where Life Happens. And if anybody's still listening and is going to go out and read one of my articles, read that one. Because life has this really long valley of drudgery, I call it where day after day is the same. It's the same drudgery, repetitive work. 
and maybe yeah, you're working towards a goal. I'm working towards the point where my blog can self-support or you know support my lifestyle, but it's a drudgery. It's 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 hard getting there. It's tedium, and unless I find things to make it make me happy on a regular basis, I'm gonna rip my hair out from the boredom or from the frustration or from the failures. So <laughs> that brings us back to the billboard that in quotes says, this is water. And at the very least, some people are going to Google it and find the speech and have their lives changed. No, I, I love that, man. And hopefully when they Google it, it, it redirects to the best interest blog. So I, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. It might be on page one. You never know. <laughs> no, man, this, this is great. And I appreciate you taking the time this evening, Jesse, for, for talking through this. I know that um, us as content creators, especially around financial independence, we get a little bit more pressure to, you know, diversify, you know, our, our lanes and, and everything like that. But, um, no, I, I love the conversation today's man. So thank you, Justin. Thank you. appreciate you having me on. And, uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun despite my, my rambling at times. That's a sign that I was really into it. No, it's, it's absolutely okay. Um, and, and as we close out, you know, Jesse, where can people find you? Yeah. So, please feel free to check out the blog. It's bestinterest.blog. That gets you to the homepage. And from there, it's really easy to follow. There's one button for all the written content. There's another button for the podcast. And if you are a financial planner and financial advisor, there's a third button for Advisors Monthly, that new program where I'll, I'll write your newsletters for you. So that's the blog. And then on Twitter, which is how we met Justin, you can find me where my username is at bestinterest underscore jc awesome and i'll put that all in the show notes jesse thank you have a great evening my friend and appreciate you coming on cheers justin you too bye-bye for now